friends. Welcome back to the English Vocabulary Help Podcast. My name is Kayla. I'm your American English teacher and friend. In today's English lesson, I'm going to teach you 21 new English phrases that will help you sound more like a native English speaker because the phrases I've chosen for today's lesson are very popular in everyday English conversation. If you want to study these expressions further, I know it always helps to have a PDF to refer to to read the expressions and read the example sentences. You can use the link in the description of this episode to get that emailed to your inbox. Or if you're already on my mailing list, you will have received that when this lesson comes out. I love teaching idioms and daily expressions on this podcast. And if you want to learn more with me in a more structured way, make sure to visit EnglishWithKayla.com to try out my six-week Upgrade to Native English course. In the course, you'll learn over 200 new expressions that you can use in your everyday English. Now, let's get started with the lesson. The other day, my friend and I were going to go meet at a restaurant. And we left at the same time in two separate cars. And I called them and I said, hey, I'm right on your tail. That means I was following them because I didn't know how to get to the restaurant. So I was directly behind them. That English phrase, to be right on someone's tail, means you're directly behind them. Or if you're chasing someone, you might use this expression to say you almost caught up to them. I'm right on your tail. If you're in a competition and you feel like you are winning, but someone is catching up to you, you might say the other team is right on our tail. We need to keep working hard. This phrase is very versatile, which means you can use it in many different ways to say that someone is directly behind you, either physically behind you or in a competition, they're right behind you in the next place. They're right on our tail. Red Fox, there's one right on your tail. They're staying right on our tail. But they're still on your tail. One common abbreviation that we use in English is MIA. This expression means missing in action. And I'm sure if you've watched a lot of American television or movies, you have probably heard this expression before. It's very popular. It originated, which means it was first, a term used in the military to describe a soldier, someone who's fighting, that has gone missing and just cannot be found. They are MIA. Now, this is very sad, but in our daily conversation, it's used much more casually. It just means we don't know where someone is. So if you're at a party and someone says, hey, where's Jennifer? You might say, I'm not sure. She's MIA. Nobody has heard from her. That means we have no idea. We're pretty clueless about where Jennifer is. If someone's not at the party, but you knew where they were or you knew why they were not at the party, you wouldn't use this expression. Use this expression when you really don't know where someone has gone. If you've ever been somewhere and you're supposed to meet up with someone and they don't call and you don't know why they didn't show up, you could say, well, they were MIA, so I left. That means they're missing in action, so I just left because I hadn't heard from them. MIA. MIA. Do you think I was born yesterday? This phrase is super sarcastic and snarky in English which means it's kind of rude way to respond to someone, but it's very popular and it's very used in casual English conversations. It's the same thing as saying, do you think I'm dumb? Do you think I'm like a baby? Was I born yesterday? 
That means you can't trick me because I'm too knowledgeable. Maybe you have a phrase like this in your language as well. Another way that we would describe using this phrase is we would say like, do you think I'm gullible? Which means, do you think I will believe anything? Like if your friend said, well, I won the lottery, you might say, yeah, right. Do you think I was born yesterday? That means I don't believe that. The chances of you winning the lottery, just a ton of money is so small that I just don't believe you. I'm not gullible. I'm not going to believe a made up story or a lie very easily. So if you wanna have an attitude, just say, do you think I was born yesterday? I was born yesterday. I was not born yesterday. But I wasn't born yesterday. The next three phrases in this lesson are all related. So if you want to ask someone if you are meeting up or doing something together the next day, you might say, are we on for tomorrow? Or are we on for next week? Or are we on for next month? This means, are we going to meet? Is it going to happen? This word on can be used in this way. And this is kind of slang, very casual language. You wouldn't use this phrase in a formal business setting. You can even use this phrase to say, are we on for meeting at the park tomorrow? So this is just asking, is this planned? Is it official? Are we still on for tomorrow? Yeah, totally. We still on for tomorrow night? Are we on for tonight? And the best way to respond to this is just to say, yep, we're on if you're going to meet, if you're going to do the thing. Now, if you want to say that something is canceled, you can say tomorrow's meeting is off instead of saying tomorrow's meeting is canceled. This can be used in any sort of situation. This could even be used in a more formal situation. Tomorrow's meeting is off or we're calling it off. So to say it's off is short for calling it off off or canceling it. You might call your friend and say, hey, I'm not feeling well, so tonight's plans are off. This means they are canceled since you're sick. Call it off. Call it off. Call it off, Pam. Call it off, okay? Call it off. In English, it's really common to say when you want to research something further, I'm going to delve into it. Or if you want to say we should research this topic or this subject further, we could say Let's delve into it. Let's talk about it more. So this phrase to delve into something means to research or explore something more. One thing I can think of that's really common that people delve into in the United States is they research their family's origins. You see, the United States is built of a lot of different immigrants from, you know, many years ago. So some people don't know if their family came from Poland, Germany, Sweden, Norway. There's all these different places that our extended family, our ancestors came from, and we delve into the research to find our origins. We'll uh, delve into that next week. Let's delve into your childhood. Office where we delve into each other's personal lives. This next phrase, I would hope so, is used to respond to someone to say that you would want them to have done the thing. Let me give you an example. Your friend might say, I think I studied enough last night. And you would say, I would hope so. This test is going to be hard. This means that, yes, you should have. I would literally hope that you have. So it's a good way to respond to someone when they say something that you kind of agree they should have done. Another way you can use this phrase is your coworker might say, well, I think I can get the project done by Friday. 
And you think to yourself, well, Friday is the deadline of the project. I would hope so. I'd hope it would be done by Friday. So this just means you're stating something that's kind of obvious to you that you want to point out to them that something they said relates to. I would hope so. I would hope so. I wouldn't hope so. A good phrase that can be kind of tricky to English learners is the phrase from now on. We use this phrase from now on when we want to talk about our behavior that's going to change from now into the future. We're saying we're kind of going to do this thing forever. So if you've ever sent an email that has some typos or some errors in it, you might say, from now on, I'm going to read my emails three times before I send them because I don't want there to be any mistakes. The other day, I mistakenly wrote someone's name incorrectly in the email, and I just think that's such a rude error. So from now on, I'm always going to check that. And that is a real example. I felt so bad spelling someone's name incorrectly. From now on, I will never do that again. From now on. Nothing bad from now on. From now on. From now on. Instead of saying that you have a lot of work and you're feeling kind of overwhelmed and stressed, in English, you might say, I feel swamped. To be swamped is a phrase that is used really casually in English to say that you have a lot of work to do. So you might say, I can't go out tonight. I am totally swamped with work. This means you have way too many things to do to go out and have fun. I'm swamped. I'm just swamped. I've been swamped. In English, instead of just saying that we are annoyed or just frustrated with someone, a really common way we'll say this is we will say, I am fed up with them. Or you can be fed up with a thing. So you could say, I am just fed up with the government. This means you're frustrated with the government. Maybe your government is taxing you or doing something that you don't like. You're fed up with it. You're frustrated. And this is a really common thing to say in the United States. Or you could say, I am fed up with my best friend. She is always late and never on time. This means you're really frustrated because she's being rude and not showing up at the time that you said you would meet. Well, I'm fed up with it. Fed up with work. And everyone's finally fed up with us. To lose your touch. This idiom means that you have lost or forgotten or you haven't practiced the skills that you used to be really good at. Maybe you're like me and you used to play a lot of sports. When I was growing up, I played soccer and basketball and you go to shoot a basketball and it is not even close to going in. You could say, wow, I've really lost my touch. I haven't played basketball in so long. Now you can tell someone that they haven't lost their touch. This means that even though they haven't done something in a very long time, they're still really good at it. For instance, you might tell a grandmother who, you know, is good with a baby, well, you haven't lost your touch. Even though she hasn't had babies for many years, she's still really good at calming and playing with a baby. How did we lose touch? You're losing your touch, amigo. I'm really losing my touch. When you don't have time for small talk, you might just tell someone to cut to the chase. Now, this could be really rude to say, so be careful how you use this phrase to cut to the chase. But you could say, hey, I'm going to skip this part of the story and just cut to the chase. 
This means you're going to skip to the main part. So this phrase is really used when you're in a rush. You might tell someone that you work with, hey, I don't have time to explain everything right now. I'll just cut to the chase. I need your help. So this means you're not even going to tell them the story of why you need their help because you're in a hurry and you're just going to tell them what's important. Still, cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. Let's cut to the chase. When you want to say that someone has done something thinking it was going to be a good thing, but it turns out to you it really wasn't helpful or actually turned out to be a bad thing, you could say that they did the thing with the best intentions. This phrase comes to mind when I think of a small child thinking that they are going to decorate their mom and dad's house. Maybe they color on the walls and just make a huge mess. They had the best intentions, but it turns out they really were just making a mess. So I'm saying they wanted to help. They were doing it because they thought it was a good thing. They had good intentions, the best intentions actually, but obviously we don't want our children coloring on the walls or making huge messes at our house. I had the best intentions. The best intentions. I'm sure all lunatics have the best intentions. This phrase to make a mockery of something, or we can say it to make a joke of something, it means that we are being disrespectful to someone who's trying to be serious or seriously teach something or have a serious conversation. So an example that comes to mind for this phrase is if you're ever in school and the teacher is, you know, really trying hard to teach the class, but there's someone in the class that keeps joking around and making fun of the teacher or making loud noises, the teacher might say, stop making a joke of this or stop making a mockery of this. Mockery is probably used more formally. In our everyday English, we say, stop making a joke of this. This just means that you're not taking this seriously and you're kind of ruining it for everyone else. So this can be used in a lot of different situations when someone is being rude or disrespectful in a serious situation. They're not supposed to be rude, but they are being rude and they're kind of making everything funny that's not supposed to be funny. They made a mockery of. Making a mockery of me and everything I stand for. Despite your constant mockery. Do you know someone that's always on the ball? This English phrase means someone who always is prepared. They're always thinking ahead. Someone who is on the ball will always remember everyone's birthdays. You know, they'll send a card in advance. They'll never say happy late birthday because they already know it's your birthday coming up. They'll be early to every meeting. Not only will they be early to a meeting, they'll be completely prepared. Maybe they've even printed off notes or they just have something to share with everyone. Someone who is on the ball is used to describe someone who is just completely prepared. So it's quite a compliment to say that someone is on the ball. And this is kind of a sports idiom. It comes from the idea that in soccer or in other sports, if you're right on the ball, you're working really hard. You're very, very prepared trying to help your team win the game. I always say that American English speakers are some of the most dramatic English speakers, a lot of our phrases are very hyperbolic, meaning we're much more dramatic than we actually are thinking in our heads. So if we want to call a food really good or delicious, we could say it's to die for. We often use this with foods. We might say, oh, those chocolate brownies are to die for as if they're so good, you'll sacrifice your life for them. 
That's not really what we're saying. It's really an idiom that we're just being dramatic with. We can also say, you know, Kim Kardashian has so many great clothes that are to die for. Of course, this is being dramatic too. If you really liked her clothes, you might use this phrase. Do you know someone who is often distracted or daydreaming? Well, you could say that they're spacing out all of the time. So the phrase to space out means just to be daydreaming, not thinking about anything. Maybe you, you know, walk up to a receptionist or a secretary and you're waiting to speak to them. They might just be spacing out. So to space out means just to be really distracted. And a person who is often distracted or who is often spacing out we can use the adjective spacey to describe them. So we could say, he is really spacey. He just is never paying attention. And of course, you wouldn't want someone to space out while they're driving on the road because it's very important to be paying attention and not distracted while you're driving a car. So don't space out. You just spaced out. I just spaced out. You space out. When you want to say that you are going to take a significant risk or make a commitment, you can say you're going to take the plunge. I feel like this expression is really commonly used when people are thinking about getting married. They might say, we're thinking about taking the plunge. And normally, the literal definition of taking a plunge is jumping into a pool or jumping into a lake, lunging into the water. But in this expression, we're talking about starting a commitment, a serious commitment. So some people starting a business is like taking a plunge for them because it's a very serious commitment that they're going to try or maybe they're going to quit their regular nine to five day job to take the plunge and start a business. Then take the plunge. All right, who's gonna take the plunge? Hey, Jeb, ready to take the plunge? A similar expression that's used just a little bit differently is to give it a whirl. If you want to say that you're going to try something even though you don't really know how to do it or you've never done it before, you can say, well, I'll give it a whirl. If you've never played chess before, give it a whirl. It's pretty fun. That means try it even though you really don't know what you're doing. Or maybe you've never gone skiing before and you want to learn how you're going to try it this winter, you'll say, I'm going to give skiing a whirl this winter. This means you're going to try it, even though you might not be very good at it. Do you know someone who's constantly on the go? This phrase is very, very common in English to say that someone is always moving. They're always doing things. You can also use this phrase as an adjective, like we're going to eat on the go. This means you might be taking your food in the car or walking while you're eating and going somewhere because you don't have time to sit down and have a meal. So this phrase is incredibly useful to use in English, doing something on the go. You could also say that you are going to learn something on the go. That means you're going to learn it while you're doing it. You've never done it before. No one's explained it to you. So you're going to learn on the go. A lot of jobs you will learn on the go because it's hard to just teach without actually doing the job first. Congratulations on adding 21 new English expressions to your vocabulary. I promise you that native speakers will recognize when you use these English expressions because they're so common and popular to us and it will just sound so natural in your conversations. 
Make sure to visit EnglishWithKayla.com to learn more expressions with me, and I'll see you guys in the next lesson. Goodbye!